was the salvation of Abraham the same as our salvation? And when we say our salvation, we're talking about the church, which is the body of Christ, right? Because that's who we are right now. So uh, with that in mind, our topic for today, or sorry, our outline for today is just threefold. Here's our outline. Today's outline, the first thing we're going to tackle is number one. Did the Old Testament saints look forward to the cross for their salvation? Because that's what we've heard, right? Uh, all throughout uh, our time, our life in um, denominational Christianity. Uh, I think 95%. I'm giving the, five another, uh, the other 5% the benefit of the doubt. Of 95% of Baptist churches and uh, non-denominational churches. Uh, they say non-denominational, but they're still denominational because they're Christian churches. Um, I, I'm talking about the churches that are like the, um, the ones with the rock and roll crowd and, and the preachers that... You know, just preach from anywhere in the Bible. Ninety nine percent, ninety five percent of them will say, "Our time right now, we look backward to the Old Testament, and all the Old Testament saints look forward, or, sorry, look we look backward to the cross, and all the Old Testament saints look forward to the cross." We'll talk about that later. Number two was Abraham's salvation the same as our salvation, and then number three. Why is this important for us to study? Okay. Um, so just three things. That does not mean we're just going to be talking about that for, for the next 30 minutes. It might be shorter. It might be longer. Who knows? Okay. <laughs> so you've all, you've seen this. You've seen me talk about this uh, many times. We have... Uh, our timeline over here. So our heading of our timeline, the very top, is First Timothy two fifteen, which means, uh, which second. says, stud or Second Timothy, which says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The first, um, the first column over here, is what Ephesians two verses eleven to twelve says: time passed. Meaning, during this portion in the Bible, the program of the Lord Jesus Christ was He came to His own to set up a literal kingdom. But then when He came to His own, John chapter 1 verse 11 says that very, the, the third one from the top there, and His own received Him not. Right? Yeah, right. So... Uh, under the drawing over there, we have uh, we have uh, Israel and the drawing and stuff like that. But uh, un underneath, we have all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Second Timothy three sixteen. And the danger is because that the reason why I have that there is because the danger is whenever we put up. 
this timeline, we are always accused of saying, you guys are hyper-dispensationals. <laughs> so, um, no, we are not trying, we're not saying that only the writings of Paul right here in the middle, right there, mm-hmm. which is Romans and Philemon, Philemon to, Romans to Philemon, we're not saying that only that is true. All of the Bible is true, but you have to rightly divide and see which one is applicable to you and me today, right there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So just like what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 15 verse 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort for the, of the scriptures might have hope. So a lot of there are some hyper-dispensationalists who actually just say, well, let's not read Genesis to Acts anymore or let's not read Hebrews to Revelation anymore because they are not, they're not for us or they're not true. They're all true, but you have to figure out which one is the truth for you and me today. So you're not applying anything that does not belong to you. In the second column there, third from the top, Colossians 1.16, He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from, from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So as you can see, the first column over here, his operation is that he came to set up the kingdom. But because they rejected it, uh, even after another a second chance, uh, a one-year extension, because the Israel rejected it, now the operation of God is not as a king or as a Messiah, but as the resurrected head of the church. Those two are different. And then after the rapture, the third column, he's going to come, of course, after the seven-year tribulation, then he's going to actually come, land on the earth, and set up the kingdom that has been prophesied all throughout the Old Testament over here. And that's when Zechariah 14.9 says, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be, shall, shall there be one Lord and his name one. Right? That's why in the bottom, the first column, everything, like I said, this has been prophesied, the millennial kingdom. That's why in the bottom, the operation of God is by is no, the plan is prophecy, but then in our time right now, it's the revelation of the mystery. Once the church, which is the body of Christ, is taken out in the rapture, this one prophecy commences again. All right. So. Um, if there's different divisions, because Jesus or God said, Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.15, rightly dividing the word of truth. If he commanded us to rightly divide the word of truth, therefore there must be natural divisions. There are differences in each administrations or dispensations or dif- divisions. If we mix them all together, that's when we get... Confusion. Right. And there's a lot of confused churches these days. 
And that's why a lot of people are saying, why did you leave the church that you were preaching at? Or or why, or why might be thinking, not saying, but a lot of people might be thinking that. Or why are you just so, uh, what do you call this? Strict, I guess, in finding a new church. It's because a lot of churches has confusion. Most of them say that the people in this part look forward to the cross. And most of them also say the people in that part look backward to the cross. So we, let's go to the question number one, to our question number one. Did the Old Testament saints really look forward to the cross? Well, let's ask the disciples who are the closest to God, to the Lord Jesus Christ, who are the closest to the, to the cross, all right? In Luke 9, 44 to 45, Jesus told his disciples, Let these sayings sink down into your ears. For the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of man, which is, of course, now we know, is what happened to him in the cross, mm -hmm. right? So if they were looking forward to the cross, then they would not have objected. They would have understood it, right? Yes. But they understood not this saying, and it was what? hid from them that they perceived it not and they feared to ask him of that saying this is luke 9 so early on in jesus christ's earthly ministry well then a little closer to the cross maybe jesus told them already and maybe they understood maybe they were really looking forward to the cross and luke 18 Starting at verse 31, he says, Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on, and they shall scourge him. And here's essentially, all right, his death, resurrection, and he cannot rise if he was not buried. And put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. Well, Jesus Christ said, this is what's going to happen to me, and this is what's going to happen to me uh, in the cross, if you will. Guess what the apostle said? Did the apostle say, yes, Lord, because we're looking forward to the cross? The apostle said, and they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. So the question is, going back here, is this here true? Were they looking forward to the cross? Everyone back here. Well, we examine the people closest to the Lord Jesus Christ. The one that he could have told them about the cross and he did. And so he says, if you will, you guys were really looking forward to my death, burial, and resurrection. Guess what they said? No, in the end, though. <laughs> we don't understand. So that means the answer to that question, were they actually looking forward to the cross? No. Eh, eh. Wrong. Wrong go. So that's question number one. Now we're in. Question number two. Was Abraham's salvation the same as our salvation? <laughs> yes. 
Wait, that's the wrong Abraham. That's the Abraham Lincoln, all right? He says, all, aren't all salvation created equal? <laughs> well, a lot of people say that. A lot of churches in, in denominational Christianity say that, right? All salvations are created equal. Well, let's see. Well, here's, here are the verses that we were talking about earlier, right? Romans 4 verses 1 to 3. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, had found? This is verse number two. For if Abraham were justified by works, he had whereof the glory, but not before God. For what, ha- what saith the scripture? Abraham what? Believe. Believe God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. By the way, it just says Abraham believed God. Okay? It did not say what about a- what about God did Abraham believe? You and me right now, what do we believe for our salvation? Our uh, not ours. Christ's death, death burial, burial and, resurrection. and resurrection. All right? But what did Abraham believe about God that it was counted unto him for righteousness? The cross, there's actually another cross-reference in Galatians, but for time's sake, we're not going to go there. The cross-reference in James, which makes these two problem texts, okay? Here, it says, uh, Abraham believed God, it was counted unto him for righteousness. But in James chapter 2, it says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Wait a second. Romans said Abraham believed God. He was, he was counted righteous by God. Now in James, Abraham was justified by works. Whoa. That's an obvious contradiction in the Bible. There's people who are protesting, burn the Bible. There's, an, there's, there's a, a mistake in the King James Bible. Right? But we know that there is no mistake in the King James Bible. We know that there's a lot of mistakes in other Bibles, That's right. but not in the King James Bible. And we can talk about, I'll, I'll mention some of those later on briefly. So we know that both of those verses are true, right? Right. Romans and James are true, right? All right. So if both of those verses are true, then number one, it is true that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness from Romans chapter number four. If both of those tr- these verses are true, then it is also true that Abraham was justified by works when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon an altar. Right? So if both of them are true, Abraham's justification is not just by faith, or not just by believing, but it's, it's also not just by works. It is faith plus works. Or else... 
you are saying that one of those verses are wrong. If one of those verses are wrong, then your Bible is wrong. If your Bible is wrong, then why are you in a Christian church which is founded on the Bible? Right? No, both of them are true. Okay? If both of these verses are true, then we need to realize that each of these verses are being presented to two very different recipients in two very different dispensations. Romans is written by Paul to the church, which is the body of Christ, which is us. Paul, uh, James is written by, huh? Who? James. I guess who? James. James to... Again, a different church, the Messianic church in the tribulation, right? After the rapture. So, things that are different are not the same. You know what? It also is a stumbling block to a lot of people. Verse number two of Romans four, which says, For if Abraham were justified by works, he had whereof the glory, but not before God. Some people read this and say, see, Abraham was not justified by works. Wait, but James too said that he was. Mm -hmm. Right? Because some people look at this verse and think that, and and come to their conclusion based on their own background and forget to read the last part of this verse. He says, if Abraham were justified by works, he had whereof the glory, and they stopped there. The next one says, but not before God. Like we said in number one and number two, Abraham was, Abraham's salvation was faith plus works. He can glory, but not before God. He can glory to other people, to men. Right? You with me so far? Mm-hmm. You with me so far? All right. So, let's look at, is, this, is Abraham's justification the same as our justification? So, we have in one side the church, which is the body of Christ, and the other side is Abraham. How are we justified? Do you remember? Well, let's go first to Romans 1, 17, and he, Habakkuk 2, verse 4. For therein is the righteousness of God, in Romans 1, revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Right? Look at just one, one word added in between, in be, somewhere in between those verses, and it changes the meaning. Habakkuk 2.4 Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. His faith. Right? Yes. Why? In our time right now, the just we are justified by faith. In the time of Abraham or before the cross, and actually it's also going to happen after the rapture, uh, also within the transition period, in the, during the first chapters of Acts, the just shall live by his faith. Right? Why? Thank you for asking. <laughs> because 
during our time, it is not our faith that justifies us. It is the faith Jesus. of Jesus Christ. Which, by the way, in the book of Galatians, or sorry, uh, I forgot where now, but this was, this faith of Christ was shut up from those that were, that were under the law. So Galatians 2.16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by what? The faith of Jesus Christ. See, this is what I was talking about earlier, that some people uh, just go on and use the New King James Bible, which does not differentiate between our faith and the faith of Jesus Christ. They say it's the faith in Jesus Christ. Right? Prepositions are important. Be careful with that New King James Bible. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. And by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. It is not our faith that justifies us. It is the faith of Jesus Christ. Okay? His faith is perfect. Abraham's faith is not perfect. That's why it needs to be perfected by his works. Look at the continuation of James 2, 21 to 22. Was not Abraham our father, our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works? And by works was faith made perfect? Our justification is made possible by the perfect faith of, God, of Jesus Christ, not our imperfect faith. That's why in other dispensations, Abraham included, when the Lord Jesus Christ was not present yet, right? I mean, in his earthly uh, ministry, his faith was not perfect. That's why he should live by his faith. That's, but he needs to make his faith perfect by his works. Okay? Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. So, justification, our justification, and Abraham's justification. Is it the same? No. No. <laughs> no. He is justified by his works that, or sorry, his faith that is made perfect by his works. We are justified by the perfect faith of Jesus Christ. What about number two? Object of faith. You and I, our object of our faith, which by the way, let, let's, I'm, I'm going to go jump to 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. Who preached this to us? Peter? No. Abraham? No. Moses? No. No. Who is that? Who's, who's talking when he, says, when he says the gospel which I preached unto you? Wait a second. Did Jesus, when he was in his earthly ministry, did he preach this to us? No. Who preached this to us? Of course, 
under under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a Holy Ghost. The guy who preached this to us was Paul. Right? Mm -hmm. And because he preached this gospel to us, this is the gospel by which we are saved. If you jump towards the very bottom there, how that what's the what's the content? What's the object of our faith? What do we put our faith on? That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This is our gospel for us today. And if that gospel be hid, 2 Corinthians 4.3, it is hid to them that are lost. And again, much in denominational Christianity will go out and share the gospel. They call it sharing the gospel or witnessing. But the way they witness is... You need to ask Jesus to come into your heart mm -hmm. and ask for forgiveness and know that you're a sinner and then ask Jesus to be your best friend. Not one mention of his death, burial, and resurrection. Mm -hmm. So if that gospel is hid, even if they ask Jesus to come into your heart, but they don't know his death, burial, and resurrection, and they don't believe in it. They don't know why Jesus Christ did it. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are what? Lost. I'm sorry to say, I'm not the one who said it though. It's the Bible. If you don't know what your object of your faith is, then you are in danger. You might be lost. I would think about it. You know, you might be feeling angry right now, but it's it's a good time to be angry rather than later when it's too late. Next, what about Abraham? What is what is the uh what is the object of the faith of Abraham? Sorry, I guess I was able to Next, what about Abraham? What is the object of faith of Abraham? Hebrews eleven seventeen to 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was also said, sorry, uh, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. This is what Abraham believed God. Right? There is no, no matter what kind of language or Bible you read, there is no record of, God, of Abraham being told about his death, burial, and resurrection at all. What did Abraham believe that God said? Ab uh, uh, Abraham was told, you are going to be made a great nation by your child Isaac, by your son Isaac. But then later on, God said, well, why don't you offer up your son? Look at that next word, accounting. See, if I was Abraham, I would be confused too. Wait a second, Lord. I thought you told me that Isaac was going to be made the great nation. Now, why are you wanting me to kill him? He was accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. That means Abraham 
What did he believe about God? Abraham believed that even if he killed Isaac, because God said he was going to be made a great nation, God was going to raise him up from the dead. And that was the faith. That was the belief that was counted unto him for righteousness. But that he didn't end there. He believed that, but he still went and did the work. He still went to the mountain. He still bound up Isaac. And he, he even raised the... He even raised the, the knife. The dagger. Right? So, number one, justification. Is, are it, is it the same with ours? Abraham's justification? No. no. What about the object of faith? Is it the same with ours? No. No. Next, what about the destination after death? Ours. Praise God, especially at this time. 2 Corinthians 5.8. We are confident. We are confident, I say, and willing to rather be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. Absent from the body, present from the Lord. Okay, And where is the Lord? The Lord Jesus Christ sitting on the right hand of the Father until His enemies are made His footstool. Excuse me, footstool. So, once upon death, Absent from the body, present with the Lord. What about Abraham? This is a verse in Luke's chap- Luke chapter 16, verse 22 and 23. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And he left, in, in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. So Abraham was also in Abraham's bosom. <laughs> Or what we call paradise. We have no time to discuss that, but that's two different things, right? This is in the center of the earth. Um, in the center of the earth, there's, there's a place of torment, okay? and a place which is called Abraham's bosom, which is also called paradise. Right? Mm-hmm. What about... Inheritance, sorry, before going forward. Um, the Their justification was different. Abraham's justification was different from ours. The object of his fate is different from ours. His inheritance or his destination is different from ours. Last but not the least, what about... There's many other things to talk about that are different. But I'm just looking at these four things which are basic. What about... Our inheritance. Ours, the church which is the body of Christ, Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who had blessed us with how many spiritual blessings? With all. All spiritual Spirit. blessings. But where are they? In, in heavenly, heavenly In heavenly places. In, in Christ. Christ. You only have access to that if you are in Christ. Okay? What about Abraham? So, what are we looking for? What are we looking forward to? We are looking forward to heaven. heaven. We are looking up. We're looking up. That's why if you are, you are discouraged, keep looking up. The Lord Jesus Christ is about to catch us away. Amen? Amen. What about Abraham? What is he looking for? What's his inheritance that he's waiting for? Genesis 17 verse 8. I will give unto thee, thee. All right, that's Abraham, singular. And uh, thy seed after thee, 
So Abraham, including his seed, not just the, not just to his seed, not just to his apo, not just to his grand, great, 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 great to the 700,000 power grandchildren, but also him I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee, the what? The land wherein thou art a stranger. All the land of Canaan for a how long of a possession? Everlasting. Everlasting possession. Can you imagine, say for example, if, uh, I guess, since Katie is over here, my wife, if I told her, you can, um, you can borrow the car for the whole week. And then after two days, I say, all right, stop it. I'm, I'm taking the car back. Guess what? I just lied because it's not a whole week, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing with Abraham. God said, you're going to have the land for an everlasting possession. What if God says, all right, Abraham, time to go to heaven. Does that mean that the land is their possession when he's in heaven? No. No. That, and this is something that's to be talked about in a different time. The children of Israel, the Mosaic Church, and also the Messianic Church, okay, their inheritance is earthly. Ours is heavenly. So the question is, this is not popular with many Christians today because they don't rightly divide. Does the Old Testament saints or the saints of the Messianic church, do they go to heaven when they die? Or do they go to heaven, you know, af after they die in in the millennium or after the millennium? It's unpopular, but the answer is no. They will be in that land because that is their land forever. That's why you cannot mix both programs. A lot of Christians are worldly and earthly and materialistic because they try to apply the promises given to Israel. Okay. So the inheritance are not the same. Okay. So let's examine. We're almost done. <laughs> Just one last question after this and then we're done. Let's examine. Okay. So we're going to have our, our checklist over here. The church, which is the body of Christ. Because a lot of people will say, yeah, it's the same. Abraham's salvation is the same with our salvation. Well, I mean, does that is that just from your feeling or is that based on fact? So here's us, the church which is the body of Christ. Here's Abraham. Then we're going to check, is it the same? Number one, justification. What's our justification? We're justified by the faith of Christ. Number two, Abraham. Faith perfected by works. Abraham's justified by his faith perfected by works. So is that the same? 
No. <laughs> Number two, object of faith. The church, which is the body of Christ, our faith, our object of faith, is His death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, or the gospel. All right? What about Abraham? He believed that God would raise up Isaac to fulfill God's promise. Is that the same? No. Number two, eh, eh. <laughs> Number three, destination after death. Where do we go after we die? If you're saved. Heaven. If that does not make us excited, I don't know what will. What about Abraham? Abraham's was some more paradise. Is that the same? No. Things that are different are not the same. So 3-0. The score is what? 3-0. Maybe, maybe they can still have a chance to catch up. Abraham still have a chance to catch up. What about the inheritance? Our inheritance is heavenly. What about Abraham's? Earthly. Last but not the least, I know, like I said earlier, there's still a lot of differences. If you will just take the time to open the Bible and, and believe what the Bible says and study it and rightly divide it instead of just parroting what the pastor says, are they the same? <laughs> so the question is, is Abraham's salvation the same as ours? The answer is no. No. If you still say yes to all of this after going through all the verses, then I don't know what else to say. Question number three. Why is this important for us? Why do we take the time to, to study about Abraham when he's long gone? He does not he does not take part in our lives anymore. Well, good question. Number one, we are commanded to rightly to study and rightly divide. Amen. That's why the Bible says in 2 Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed. A lot of people don't study because they want to be approved by their pastors, not unto God. They don't want to study because it's you, you need to be a workman. That's why people don't like to study they don't like to work and that's why they're ashamed the bible says rightly dividing the word of truth we are the ones that are commanded to rightly divide the church which is the body of christ you know what's interesting israel was not commanded to rightly divide <laughs> the church is because israel tries does not try to steal the promises of the gentiles and apply it to them the Gentiles, on the other hand, are the, are the ones who love to steal the promises of, the gen, of, of Israel and apply it to them. Why is it important for us to study number two? Because we are not to mix our salvation with the salvation applicable only to other dispensations. Don't mix your salvation. Salvation back then is different in times past than uh, than right now. It's different in ages to come than right now. If you mix it, then that is a perversion. Galatians 1 verse 6 to 7. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you sense the gravity of this right now. Some people, even our loved ones, might think that they're saved. But if, they, if you, maybe even yourself might think that you're saved. But 
if you ask yourself, what are you trusting on? What is the object of your salvation? If you are adding even a little good work, even if it is a work of righteousness, then you are perverting the gospel of Christ. Like Galatians 1 verse 6 to 7 says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Even if you add a little perversion, whatever it is to the gospel of Christ, it becomes another gospel. And you cannot be saved by another gospel. I'll give you an example. This is hotly contested by many Christians. They say, oh, you know what? The sinner's prayer is a requirement for salvation. Really? They'll say that it's not a work. Praying is not a work. Well, what about Colossians 4 verse 12 says? What, what Colossians 4 verse 12 says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluted you always, what? Laboring. Laboring fervently for you in prayers. That means the sinner's prayer is a work. Do not be deceived. Last but not the least, why is it important for us to study? The devil deceives those who do not study or rightly divide by blinding them from the gospel. Remember this? We talked about this earlier. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom, the continuation, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Why are we so adamant about right division? Why should you nitpick? Why should you be just so strict about these? Just a little sinner's prayer. That's just a little. <laughs> That's just a little thing. Why, why should... Why? In the Philippine, in Filipino, pasag din alang. Why don't you just, why don't you just give them some leeway? Just let them be. You know why? Because we don't want, or God, never mind me. God does not want you to be blinded. A lot of people think that they're going the right direction. A lot of people think they're saved, but when they, when you ask them what they believe on. It's, it's something else. It's a mixture of salvations. Don't be deceived. To summarize, Oy vey, this Bible, start, Bible study started four score and seven years ago. How am I doing with my corniness here? <laughs> to summarize, this, because that's the wrong Abraham, if you don't get it. I'm so funny. Thank you. Number one, and then we're done. Did the Old Testament saints look forward to the cross? Yeah. No. Number two, was Abraham's salvation the same as our salvation? 
No, the justification is the same. The object of faith is, or sorry, is not the same. The object of faith is not the same. The destination after they die, we die is not the same. The inheritance is not the same. And a host of other things we did not have the time to talk about is not the same. Last but not the least, why is this important to study? Number one, we are commanded to study and rightly divide. It's a, it's it's hard work, but this is what we need to do. Salvation is free. Jesus Christ did all the, the hard work. But if you need if you want to learn and to grow the right doctrine for, with the right doctrine, then that entails hard work. Number two, we are not to mix our salvation with salvation applicable only to other dispensations. And number three, the devil deceives those who do not study or rightly divide by blinding them from the gospel. All right. Any questions? Any additions? Can I ask? Yes. Go back to the previous page. This one, the number one. Did the Old Testament saints look forward to the cross? Uh, as what you have presented is that though though are the the people that did not look forward to the cross are the people nearest to Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. and those who did not uh, rightly divide the Word of God, even the Bible, that they think that that the uh, New Testament starts from Matthew one one, mm -hmm. so meaning they think that the 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 apostles of Jesus Christ does that belong to the Old Testament. They are that, uh, but New Testament. So when I heard somebody that the Old Testament look forward to the cross, they they quote the Genesis three five. Hmm. The Genesis three five is about that uh, about uh, a seed that will. Uh, what's that again? Oh, the that will bruise his head. All yes. right, uh, Genesis three five. Uh, sadly, a lot of people. Can can you actually? Can I ask you to read that real quick? If you can open that in your Bible, I, I will prove to you that sadly, a lot of people read into that verse with a lot of excess baggage. Okay, hindsight is twenty twenty, but. We have to accept the fact that during that time, all they have is what's available to them. And in Genesis chapter number 3, what was available to them was not the King James Bible. There was not even one, one manuscript available to them. Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry, it's, it's not Genesis 3, 5, but 3.15. 3.15. Genesis 3.15, I will read. And I will and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So they quote this one as looking forward to the cross. Hmm. And like I said, we always have to understand that when we read the Bible, we need to see what the prevailing conditions are. Right? A lot of people are, are breaking the number one rule of not adding to the Bible either 
in on paper or in their hearts and minds the prevailing conditions is they did not have any other any manuscript during that time and what was told them is the only thing that they have that's all that was told to them there was no mention of who what the name of jesus was there was no mention of a cross and there was no mention of anything else only that only that uh prophecy so it is impossible you know right now of course whenever we read it because we have we have uh 2020 hindsight we know that it is a picture a type right but not uh but when when adam and eve were told that they did not even know okay they did not even know as proof as as proof of when when seth was born they named seth to mean the appointed one they thought that Seth was the appointed one, but he's not the appointed one. <laughs> if you read in Genesis chapter number uh, uh, three or, or sorry, four or five, Seth, uh, Eve would say that Seth is the appointed one. So, so to, long story short, um, it's easy to come to that conclusion if you if you read into that with excess baggage but when we read the bible we have to put ourselves into the that time setting point of view and understand what the prevailing conditions are okay okay thank you lord jesus for our time together we pray that uh, this has been a blessing. I know it might not seem very sensational to many people, but it is so important. Um, we want to make sure everyone in our family, our friends, our circle, their God, that they would, even if they call themselves saved, even, you know, in... in, in uh, emotional moments and times people might say you know well he's in heaven with the lord already but we can we cannot really understand you know know that that's between them and god that's why we want to make sure that they believe in the right thing and not mix salvations and not mix gospels their father because while it's painful here we don't want to have more pain when we go to the other side and find out that they believed and they mixed salvation with something else. Thank you, Lord, for everything. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.